Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 24 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm a writer, podcast host, and accountability coach. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 diabetes for about eight years now. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 39 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking about alcohol and type 1 diabetes, and Jesse has all the questions. A quick reminder for everyone, if you have any questions about type 1 diabetes or about the show, please leave us a comment or send an email to colleen at inspiredforward.com. We answer listener questions in future episodes. Jesse, you have the win of the week this week. Yes, I do. And with this whole corona thing going on, I thought it would be fun to kind of break away and do something interesting with my life for a little while. So this week, I finally redid my room after living here for about two years and not doing much with it to make it my own space. So I've added tapestry, string lights that are remote controlled, and I also got my mom's old TV that she doesn't use anymore to make it kind of my own personal space and a little bit more my style. So with this whole dramatic life change with the pandemic, I thought that would be a good project for me to work on for a while. How was your blood sugar while you were doing all that? Oh, I was low constantly. It was really funny. <laughs> Whenever I redid my room at my parents' house, my blood sugar would always go low because I'm moving all the furniture around. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work. I forgot about that. <laughs> so you're on for the fail this week, unfortunately. Yeah, that's how it goes. So... Something that's actually annoyed me for a while is the consistency of my Griff Grips adhesives that go over the sensor to keep it on. Griff Grips is just the brand that I use. There's a whole bunch of other different types of adhesives you can use. Well, I have three different styles right now. There's a solid green, there's a blue camo, and kind of an athletic material that has an American flag on it. And I really like the athletic one because it stays on perfectly for all 10 days, but I don't have very many of them left, if any at all. The blue camo one stays on for most of the week, but the green ones start peeling off after just a couple of days, and it's really, it really bugs me. So my fail is not ordering more of the ones that I like, but also I really want to get through the remaining green ones so I don't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> Jesse, what is your hack this week? I just wanted to say when your blood sugar goes low, when you're trying to make it go up, give yourself a little bit of time to let your body adjust for the blood sugar changes and they're so rapid that it might make you feel sick after a little and then after you know eating and not putting in for it it also might make you sick so just give yourself a minute to adjust and let yourself feel what you feel when you're low and just sit and relax for a minute so this episode is for 21 years old and over just kidding we're going to try to answer your questions about alcohol and type 1 diabetes so that when you do turn 21, it's not a scary experience and you don't overdo it. So Jesse is going to be asking all the questions and I'm going to give my best answers. All right. So my first question is, what was your first drink? And also, when was your first drink? So as of this recording, I'm 27. So I've been of legal drinking age for six years. 
And before that, I had sips of wine at home, and I'd been taking communion at church since I was 14. And I remember whenever I sniffed my dad's beer, it made me gag. So I developed a really early aversion to beer, but I like wine. My first quote-unquote real drink was in college right after I turned 21. I bought a bottle of wine at Walmart, and I had a glass or two. I think by that point, I already knew that I liked wine because it was the same wine my cousin would bring to holidays and my mom would let me have a sip to taste it. So I already knew kind of what it tasted like and I already knew what I liked for wine. My first taste of whiskey, though, was in Scotland. I went on a trip to England, Scotland, Wales, and France with my cousin, the same cousin who brought the wine at holidays, right after I graduated college. And on that trip, we took a bus tour up to Loch Ness. And on the way back, we stopped at this little souvenir shop. And they had a whiskey section, so they might have had a distillery attached to it. And they had a little tray of samples to try for whiskey. And I had no idea what kind of whiskey it was. I just took a sample. And I remember taking the tiny sip, and it burned going down. But then it almost immediately warmed me up. And I ended up really liking it. It was really weird. And then later, when we were in Edinburgh, we did a walking tour of the city. And because we went in December, it was really cold out. It was freezing. And towards the end of the tour, the guide took us into a pub and he suggested ordering a hot toddy. And that's whiskey, hot water, lemon juice, honey, clove, and a cinnamon stick. And I can make that myself now. It's really good. It warmed me up right away. And it's one of my favorite drinks to order or or make when I'm not in the mood for a straight scotch. All right. So since you've said that you don't want to be drunk on previous episodes, what made you come to that decision? That's a really good question. So alcohol affects everyone differently. And alcoholism actually runs in my family. It's what killed my paternal grandfather. So I'm really careful not to drink to buffer my feelings or make pain go away. And I've also successfully avoided ever being drunk or hungover. So yes, I I don't want to be drunk. And whenever I tell people that I've never been drunk, they're always like, how? As if it's impossible to drink and not get drunk or have a hangover. I've, I've never really wanted to experience getting drunk or hungover because I don't want to find out what it does to my blood sugar. I've seen drunk people, and for me, it's just a hard line. It's not part of who I am. It also probably stems from a fear or a genuine concern that my blood sugars would tank in the middle of the night, and I wouldn't wake up from it. I've always been able to wake up from my low blood sugars, thank God, and I don't want a substance like alcohol mute that reaction, and then I end up dying or something. It might be extreme, maybe not, but that's my stance. I just have no interest in it, no interest in experiencing being drunk. So I've been really good about limiting what I drink, when I drink, and how often I drink. So what are your blood sugar tendencies when you do decide to drink? So my personal experience with alcohol is that if I have it on an empty stomach, my blood sugar drops. One glass of wine will make me a little bit sleepy, and I can max out at about three glasses of wine, and by then I'm giggly and buzzed, but never drunk. I also, like I said earlier, I like scotch. It, it's also on an empty stomach will lower my blood sugar. And I drink my scotch neat, which means there's no ice or anything in it. It's just the scotch. But sometimes I do put whiskey cubes in it to keep it cold while I'm at home. And I'm actually on a mission to, to try a whole bunch of different scotches to find the one I like the best, but that's a different story. But scotch affects me similarly to wine. So I can, I can nurse one tumbler for hours. That's anywhere from one to three ounces. And the most scotch in one sitting that I've had is three ounces. And after that, I was about at the same place that I am after three glasses of wine. But if I have alcohol with food, I'm less likely to go low, but I will be more likely to go high overnight. 
And that's because if I eat any food after about noon, my blood sugar does tend to go up overnight. And having alcohol on top of that encourages the high blood sugar. And if I'm not careful, I can rage bolus to bring it down. Though I have had times where alcohol plus food plus overnight means that my insulin resistance is astronomical. And then even rage bolusing doesn't really make much of a dent. So what do you do to practice safe drinking? I have to be very careful about going to sleep with alcohol in my system if I haven't had any food with it. Since I'm more likely to drop low during the night if I've had alcohol, I have basal IQ and control IQ. And those really help with keeping those numbers from dropping too low when I don't have food when I drink. And I don't have alcohol very often. It's just usually at holiday gatherings or team dinners for work. I usually try the most new scotches, actually, when I'm on business trips and out to dinner with my manager or the team. And if I'm drinking, I don't drive, ever. This works out really well on business trips because we're either in someone else's rental or we're in an Uber. And if I'm with friends, I'm usually the designated driver and I will have maybe one glass if anything at all. Have you ever drunk alone? And if so, how do you manage being diabetic? Well, when I turned 21 in college, I lived with roommates. So I didn't, I don't think I ever really drank alone all that much in college. I might have had a glass of wine by myself in my room, but there was always someone else in the apartment or someone who would be coming home if I was the only one there. And when I finished college and lived on my own in Eastern Washington for work, I did have wine by myself, but I limited myself to one or two glasses and stayed hydrated, kept an eye on my blood sugars. It was never really a problem to, to drink alone. Have you ever been, quote, out of control and didn't know what to do with your blood sugars? Not really. I'm pretty aware of myself when I'm drinking, and I notice that I relax more and get giggly if I'm at my personal limit, so that's a really good indicator. It's just easier for me to laugh when I have alcohol, so I find that interesting. But in terms of out of control blood sugars, it's rare, and I never know. I, I never not know what to do. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Why do diabetics need to be more careful with alcohol? So most alcoholic drinks contain sugar, especially mixed drinks. The wine that I drink has a, a pretty low carb count, but there are plenty of really sweet wines that contain a lot of sugar. So depending on the person, the type of alcohol, how much you drink, and other factors, your blood sugar can go up or down because alcohol prevents the liver from doing its job. When it's flooded with alcohol, it doesn't produce the glycogen that prevents bad hypos, even if the pancreas releases glucagon to trigger the liver into releasing the glycogen. So this is why I go low when I drink, especially overnight. My liver isn't capable of producing or releasing the glycogen that would naturally arrest the low because it's too busy processing the alcohol. And this effect can last up to 24 hours. So it's really important to keep a close eye on your numbers for the next day after drinking. And alcohol makes you hungry. And when you're hungry, you eat, oftentimes way more than you should, and that affects your blood sugar. So when I eat dinner or any time in the afternoon, my blood sugar will go up overnight. When I have alcohol, the effect compounds. So I once had dinner out with my family in Baltimore, and on the drive back to Delaware, my cousin was driving, my blood sugar kept going up and up and up despite all of the insulin I was pumping in. I was like major, major rage bolusing. I, all I'd had was like a scotch and a few zucchini fries with breading and my burger. And despite all of my best efforts, I went high. I think it was around 250 or 270 was the peak. And I know it was a combination of the carbs from the breading on the zucchini fries and the alcohol and then not being quick enough before I started eating to bolus. 
So that night my blood sugar came down really, really slowly, but I didn't end up with a low. And something we talked about in episode 16 with Officer Aaron Holyfield is that low blood sugar will mimic symptoms of being drunk. So when you're drunk and you're low, that's, that's not a fun place to be. If you're drinking and you feel like you're low, you might dismiss the symptoms because you're drinking, but that makes it even more imperative that you keep an eye on your blood sugars. So what are some precautions that every diabetic should take when they're drinking? Well, when you're drinking, first off, make sure you're having food with it and make sure you have your low snacks on hand. Uh, another tip is don't drink to intoxication. Don't drink liquor mixed with energy drinks, especially the high carb ones. When you first drink something, like when you've turned 21 and you're quote unquote legal, don't go out to a bar to drink. Drink something at home first and have someone with you so you experience it in a safe space. The first time you drink, you really don't want to overdo it and you should have someone there just in case you have a bad reaction. So remember, alcohol affects everyone differently. So what are different kinds of alcohol and how do they affect blood sugars differently? So the first one is wine and wines have a lot of sugar in them. Dry white wines have the lowest amount of carbs in them, around three carbs per glass. My favorite wine is white Zinfandel, which is a rosé, and that has about six carbs per glass. I don't really know much about red wines, but my husband used to work at a winery, so he knows a lot about wine. The next one is uh, spirits. Most spirits by themselves are low or no-carb drinks. They're distilled alcohols, not fermented, like uh, beer and wine. And this category includes hard liquors like vodka, gin, whiskey, tequila, and rum. Spirits are the main ingredients in mixed drinks, so don't think you can have a margarita or a mixed drink without worrying about the carb content. All the carbs come from the other ingredients, not the alcohol. And a lot of people don't like drinking spirits straight, even though it's the lowest carb option. I like scotch whiskeys, and I get a lot of really surprised reactions at company events and dinners when I order a scotch without anything in it. I'm breaking stereotypes there. And then the third category of alcohol is beer. Beer is brewed from cereal grains, most commonly from malted barley, but they also use wheat, maize, and rice to make it. And that also means beer has a high carb content. They do make some low carb beers, but I have no information on the quality of those things, so I can't really speak to that. But on average, one can or one bottle of beer has about 13 carbs. And if you don't properly account for the carbs in your beer, it will affect your blood sugar. I can tell you those low-carb beers, from what my dad says, taste awful. So I don't know. I've never had one, but that's my dad's experience. Okay. How should diabetics deal with hangovers? Since I've never had a hangover, I did have to do some research for this. So hangovers consist of unpleasant symptoms that occur after excessive alcohol intake. Usually takes a few hours for hangover symptoms to develop, and symptoms include fatigue, thirst, headache, nausea, light and sound sensitivity, and dizziness. You can take a painkiller to relieve the symptoms as long as it's not Tylenol, because Tylenol can damage your liver when it's paired with any leftover lingering alcohol, and you should not drink a Bloody Mary to get rid of your hangover. Don't, don't do it. That won't get rid of your hangover. It might ease the symptoms of withdrawal, but it does nothing to actually get rid of the hangover. Low blood sugar is another symptom of a hangover, considering what we just discussed earlier about the liver being otherwise occupied processing the alcohol instead of producing and releasing the glycogen. So you need to be careful about that. Hangovers might also be a form of sleep deprivation, since alcohol interferes with brain activity during sleep. Your hangover also might be easier to handle if you avoid darker colored alcohols, 
as those contain methanol, which is more toxic than ethanol, which is the clearer alcohols. And hangovers with alcohol can also mimic or mask migraines. So if you wake up with a headache from a hangover, it might actually be a migraine. Like anyone else dealing with hangovers, diabetics should stay hydrated, eat some food, have a cup of coffee or tea to get the boost from the caffeine, keep a close eye on your blood sugars, and avoid any strenuous exercise in the morning after drinking a lot. Can I go out drinking with my friends as a diabetic? Just a reminder to everybody, I don't drink. I haven't drinking anything. I'm only 17 and I don't plan on it until I'm actually legal and out of the house and everything, just as a disclaimer. You can when you're 21. <laughs> so yes, but be careful about it. Make sure you have food and your low snacks with you. Don't ever leave your drink unattended. This is good advice regardless if you're diabetic or not. And then you should also have a limit. So limit before you go in how many, how many drinks you're going to have. It's also a good idea to have a designated driver checking in on you throughout the night just to make sure you're not going over your limit. When you get home afterward, make sure you check your blood sugar before going to bed. Maybe set your pump or CGM to alert you at a higher level than normal so you don't go too low. And make sure you have low snacks and water at your bedside table. What's the best way to deal with handling people who pressure you into drinking? Like, oh, it's okay just to have a drink or like a glass of wine when you don't want to. No is a complete sentence. I know a lot of people, when they do feel pressured, they have to, you have to think about why do you feel like you need to give in? So does that happen even now? Like, are, are people offering you things that you don't want to? take part in it it doesn't have to be alcohol oh yeah all the time do you have a hard time saying no no okay so you're fine yeah (laughs) you won't have any problem with people saying hey you want a drink no yeah if you don't just say no our diabetes spotlight this week is on the pbs documentary blood sugar rising it came out on april 15th and it's available on pbs and we're just going to read what the explanation is on the pbs website Diabetes and prediabetes affect over 100 million people in the U.S., costing more than $325 billion, that's with a B, billion, each year. It's now predicted that one in three children born since 2000 will develop the disease, though in this they don't specify type 2 versus type 1. Blood sugar rising puts human faces to these statistics, exploring the history and science of the illness through portraits and voices of Americans whose stories shape the documentary. Together, they present a dramatic depiction of this hidden national crisis. The two-hour special also reveals new hopes. From the rise of safer and easier medical treatments to new discoveries about lifestyle and environmental factors, Blood Sugar Rising reports on those taking action to improve diabetes management and prevention. So I'm actually kind of interested to watch this when it comes out. Although by the time this airs, it will have been out for like three weeks. So So we will link to the Blood Sugar Rising page on PBS in the show notes. Jesse, what is our question for the audience this week? All right. Our lovely question for you, our lovely audience, is what about you guys? How does alcohol affect your blood sugars? Do you stay away from it or do you indulge in it every now and then? Always legally, of course. Let us know in the comments your opinions on alcohol and diabetes. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 39. That's the number 39. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade, and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. 
This is the perfect time to learn how to manage your mind. If you're stressed, burned out, overwhelmed, and want some help getting back on track and honoring your commitments to yourself, sign up for accountability coaching at inspiredforward.com coaching. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts since that really helps other people find us. And also subscribe wherever you listen. Be sure to listen next week when we talk to marketing expert Doris Hobbs founder of Rich and Love Fashion, a brand that spans luxury fashion and beauty, business, entrepreneurship, diabetes awareness, and the wine industry. Doris is known as the glamorous diabetic for her ongoing advocacy efforts regarding education and awareness for both type one and type two diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.